for when God asks us to do something that's out of our comfort zone. So over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about when God asks us to live a life that doesn't quite meet our hope and our expectation. What does that look like? And for when, <clears throat> when things don't turn out the way we expected them to turn out. And today we jump right into when God asks us to step out of our comfort zone. I want you to know this before we go any further in the service. I want you to know personally, no matter your age, background, experiences, no matter what you think makes you different than everybody else, there is a God that's pursuing you. Amen. We talk about God's plan for your life. God doesn't just have this plan that's up on a shelf, and if you're shopping it at some point, you figure it out, you can choose it. No, God is actively pursuing you in the same way that he pursued Mary and said, hey, I've got a plan for your life. I want to do something in you. God has the same plans for us and that there's something that we are to fulfill. David says in Psalms that all his days were written in God's book before he was ever made. I believe that God made you and built you for a purpose before you were ever built. <clears throat> God is always trying to meet with us. And here's the deal. I don't think that just means, hey, God wants you to go to church on Sunday and have an experience where they sing, where we sing and clap. And some of you guys have taken that big step and you're, you're in worship and you have had the confidence to raise up your hand. Some of you haven't. And some of you, it looks different. Some of you sing out loud. Some of you just worship in your hearts. And that's fine too. But here's the deal. None of those things, <clears throat> I'm not asking you to have a relate experience or a Pastor Sean experience. Here's the deal. I think God wants you to have an experience with him. Yeah. I think God wants to do something inside of you. And so if, I think if Mary could say anything to us this morning, especially just right off the top, it's that we don't miss our moment with God. I think it would have been really easy for Mary to say, uh, wait a second, God, I'm going to have a baby. I'm not going to be with a man, and that baby's going to be God. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. That's too much. Like, it doesn't fit. And it would have been really, e it's easy for me to imagine that it would have been easy for her to say, I don't think so. Just like we read about Moses saying when he was standing at the burning bush, and God says, I want you to go talk to, Mo to, to Pharaoh and bring my people out of Egypt. Moses said, no, -uh. nope, that's not me. You got the wrong one. <laughs> You got the wrong guy, Jesus. You got the wrong guy, God. And so whether it's a burning bush or an angel that's standing in front of us or a whisper or a dream or just this word that the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart, God is leading us and guiding us and taking us into his purpose. So if there's anything we can say about moments with God, here's, here's where we'll start. That God moments often seem impossible. In fact, I think that's kind of the nature of of God moments that they seem impossible because God does impossible things, right? Yep. God's the God of the impossible. He loves to do the impossible. In fact, he prefers the impossible. What do we do? We try to take the impossible and say, well, God, I don't really need the impossible. I don't really want to do the impossible. If you could just do this little thing. I heard a, uh, an old preacher say, God, if you could just kick me off a diamond, send us down some some precious stones from there laying on the streets in heaven. Like it seems small, right? It seems like if God could just do some simple things, but God is the God of impossible things. He's not in the business of doing small things. 
And sometimes those things seem so big. They're so challenging that we just dismiss it right off the bat. I've talked to so many people who I ask them, what, is, what do you think God wants to do in you? I love to have that conversation. In fact, that's one of my favorite conversations. It's like, what does God want to do in you? Because if you don't know that, I want to help you find it. If you don't know the thing that God made you for, then there's almost nothing bigger in life. Like once you know God, there's some things God wants to do in your life. And if you don't know what those are, I want to help you find it. Because that's incredible once you figure that out and start pursuing it with a passion. It's amazing. But sometimes we get struck by this, this idea, this God idea. And it's so big that we just dismiss it off the bat. Well, God, I could never do that. And so that's what happens, I think. This is kind of the, the image that we get of Mary. Watch this. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And the angel tells her, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. So right off the bat, not only is he gonna, are you going to have a baby, you're going to conceive a baby. But this baby is going to be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So now we're not just talking about this, this baby that will be the son of God, but, but now we're talking about the throne of the nation that God's going to change the world with this baby. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. So now we've gone from talking about something that will change Mary's life to something that this baby is going to change the world forever. We don't like to think in terms of God doing epic things in our life. We like to think more in terms of, God, if you could just help me pay this bill, I will be okay. God, if you could just help me with this situation that I got going on with my kids. God, if you could just, at work, I'm really struggling with this thing. But God says, I want to do something that encompasses all of those things and your life forever and your children and your children's children's children. And we think... No, but God, I have a checklist right here of like prayers. I have my prayer list. If, you could, if we could just start at the top of the prayer list and work our way up to epic. <laughs> it doesn't, it's like what God wants doesn't fit in our brain. I want to tell you this right now, that if you can get yourself out of the way and let God do what he wants to do inside of you, you'll never be happier. You might think it's so big and not you and so out of character, but... I am living, I am a living testimony that if, if you'll just say yes to God, your life will be so much better. But I've heard so many people say, well, I'm just not that kind of person, and I'm just not a church person. The church is who we are when we come together. The church is the body of Christ. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It should look like Jesus as we get closer to him. And so the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And then it says that Mary, her response is this, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Like, this doesn't make sense. This, this doesn't fit into my idea of how the world works. And I think that most of us, we are at a disadvantage, even, even beyond Mary, because Mary she knew a few things. She knew that you can't have a baby without while you're a virgin. So she had that knowledge of this, this doesn't biologically work. <laughs> you're telling me something that doesn't fit into my worldview. And so for us, how many, how, how, 
it's really easy to figure out what the truth is, right? You just pick up your phone and I'm going to Google it. In fact, there's probably some, I know, I know this many of you guys during the sermon, I'll tell you something. You know what, such and such, and some of you guys are digging up Google trying to figure out if that's true or not. <laughs> I've done that too. But we are at a disadvantage that I read one study that said that knowledge, the knowledge base of humanity doubles every three years. Like it may, it may have taken a thousand years for it to double at one point, but now it's doubling again and again, and we just know everything. But sometimes God wants to do something that challenges everything we know. Like we could say, well, God, the sky's blue because I can see it, and he wants to do something different. How many of you guys are willing to let God be God? <laughs> How many of you are willing to let God do something impossible and not tell him, well, God, I kind of know better. That's not going to work. That's scary. But our own brain gets in the way. Early on in Angela and I in our ministry, uh, a couple came to us. We have just been serving as associate pastors in the church for a little while. And a couple came to us and said, you know, we really need prayer. We've been told by doctors that we're incapable of having, having children. We've been trying for six or eight years. And, and uh, we just, we want God to show up. In fact, it was biologically impossible for them to have a baby. So Angela just had like this, this word of knowledge and decided, okay, we're going to pray. God is going to produce, there's going to be a baby. You just watch. There's some other details in there. But within a year, that couple had a baby. Sometimes the thing that God has planned, and even if it's a response to a prayer, sometimes what God do, does is so much bigger than what a doctor says. It's so much bigger than what your family says is possible. So much bigger than what your husband says is impossible or your wife says. There are so many negative voices and so many voices of people saying, well, you know, that's, that can't possibly be true. And it's big enough that one, God answered one. In the last 20 years, Angela and I have stood with nine couples who told us they were physically incapable of having a child and had been trying for years and years and years. The doctor said, no, it can't happen. You can adopt nine times. And I'll say that she prayed for them, and they had a baby. God doesn't fit within our realm of this is possibility right here in this little box. We try to put him in that box, but he doesn't fit in there. And so when God speaks to us, often what he says doesn't fit in there. And we just thought, well, don't fit in my box, so I, I guess I'll keep listening until I get something that fits in there. That's scary because God's never going to fit in there. Miracles happen when our willingness to trust God intersects with God's plan. Like God has a plan and a strategy and an agenda. And most of us, we don't, we're like, well, I have a plan and an agenda and a strategy for my life. It's whenever that plan yields and surrenders to God's plan that things start happening. I would like to know how many of you today would just realize, okay, hey, God has a plan for my life. It's that moment of like realization, like light bulbs come on and wow, God has a plan for my life. That's incredible. My, my nephew, some of you have heard this story. I've told it a few times. But what a miracle it is that when my nephew Cameron was born, my brother and sister-in-law have three, uh, he's the, the third boy in, in their family. And when he was born, he was born just a few ounces and 
He was born with a muscular deficiency that they basically said he'll never be able to breathe on his own. He'll never be able to walk on his own. He'll never be able to hold his own head up because his muscle, he had this deficiency. And so I can tell you that being in the family and whenever, whenever something happens so close that sometimes it's easy to pray for other people's family. It's sometimes easy to pray for, hey, somebody that you don't know needs prayer somewhere online. Oh, God can do miracles. But when it happens to your family or to you, it's like, I don't even know how to begin to pray. The, last month, my mom was in ICU with tubes and hoses and keeping her alive. And for, the, for really more than ever before in my life, I stood in a, in a hospital room thinking, I want to believe God, but I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to pray right now. So I had to ask for help. Somebody help me pray. Sometimes hard to pray for ourselves. It's sometimes hard to believe for ourselves. Why? Why is it that whenever I try to pray for my own nephew, it's like this something happens in us that we almost believe that God would do it for somebody else, but he wouldn't do it for me. We're so insecure and so we have so small of a self-worth that we don't believe God would actually answer our prayers. We don't believe that God actually has a plan or a pr like those are just big words that the pastor uses that God has purpose and plans and why is it that we can't see that for ourselves when God's like, it's almost like he's trying to convince us, I have a plan for you. I promise I have a plan if you'll just say yes. How, how amazing is it that the God of the universe wants to convince us that he loves us, that he has a plan for us, that he has a purpose for us, and that he wants to do life with us and in us. And we just can't see it. It's like, God, I'm nothing. So my nephew Cameron, I remember sitting in the hospital and us having the discussion, why is this happening? Like, why, why did God let this happen? And I remember the moment where we just decided to say, okay, Cameron's yours, God. We're going to put him in your hands and we're just going to say, we trust you, God. Cameron was in the hospital, in the NICU for months and months and months. You know that, that time just drags out and you're thinking, God, do you even hear us? Do you care? Like we we, we've been praying. We know I've preached this a thousand times, but do you actually hear us? We got to the point where finally we said, God, if you take Cameron, if this is over, we're still going to trust you no matter what. But by, by a miracle of God, Cameron began to take a turn and his, I, I can't tell you what went on in his body, but when they said he, he wouldn't walk, he wouldn't breathe, he wouldn't be able to hold his head up, and now he runs around. And now he's like the example. In fact, the, the hospital said that it was the worst case they had ever seen. And then whenever he started to, to miraculously turn around, they actually published his story in the newsletter for the, for the hospital. And what an incredible turnaround that began to happen in his life. He's still, he just had his eighth birthday. Just had his eighth birthday. And so it's easy after eight years to say, sure, God's in control. God's, a, God's in charge and God had a plan the whole time. But it's when we're standing there looking at the impossible and looking at this baby that's just ounces inside of a machine with tubes and hoses and plugs and noises and this doesn't feel like it can work. There are some things in your life that just don't feel like they can work, but you need to say, God, I trust you and I'm just going to do what Mary did. 
How can this be? I don't know, but I'll go anyway. So Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I want you to know that with God, all things are possible. That there's some things that are facing you down. There's some things in, in your life that you're looking at that seem impossible. And God is saying, if you'll just trust me, we're going to walk right through it. But you need to be able to break up with your ego. You need to be able to tell yourself, self, I'm tired of hearing your negativity. And some of you have never been that bold to anybody, much less yourself. You need to say, self, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop being negative and say, okay, God, I trust you. It's tough. When God moments come, just say yes. Just say yes. And so Mary answers, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So God came and gave her this message. And then her final response after, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. I'm a virgin. How can this be? Okay, yes. I'm your servant. God, I surrender. Basically, this moment of surrender and obedience turns into the miracle. But how can it be? Our hope must weigh more than our questions. Like all of the, the, the Googling that we do, all of the questions, we look up, how does this work? Why is this the way it is? If you can begin to hope in God. And sometimes we don't allow ourselves to hope because I need to see, all, I need to see some of the pieces coming into place before I can hope. But you know what? Faith requires hope. There has to be some part of you that says, okay, I'm going to believe in something that's not, that I can't see yet. I'm going to believe in something that doesn't make any sense outside of, here's the deal. Not only do we sometimes not get the pieces that we need, to, we want to see a few of the pieces in position first. Sometimes all the pieces say no, except that one word that God said yes. And if you can just agree with what God said and push out all the other things that are saying no, God can do something. Amen. Come on, Sean. But when the, when the evidence is overwhelming that, nah, this is impossible. We just need to, this is my life now. We can't give in to it. Mary had, I'm sure, all kinds of questions. But Jesus uh, picks up, he, he is going to heal uh, the daughter of Jairus. And he, he says, I will we'll go and we'll, we'll heal. I'll, I will, I will heal, heal her. But on the way, uh, the woman with the issue of blood comes. And I'm sure in Jairus' mind, this is a distraction. It's, it's a delay. It doesn't work. It's just, this is keeping me from getting the thing that God promised. And so what happens while they're there in the street, someone comes from the house where the sick child is and says, it's too late, don't come. And Jesus says, now wait a second. That's not how this is going to work. And overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, Do, don't be afraid, just believe. Like despite the fact that you've just heard it's too late, don't come. Despite the fact that you know things are bad, can God work beyond things that we understand? Yes, every time. Yes. If we'll just believe. If we'll just believe. Your God moment will open the door for God's best in your life. And I'm not the guy who says that, you know, God's going to turn everything in your life better. God's going to make everything in your life work smooth and he's just going to fix all your problems. I don't think that. In fact, the Bible says that 
In this life, you will have trouble. You're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have a fight. But what happens is, and we talked about this for the last few weeks, that when we say yes to God, it's like he takes that struggle. He takes that race that we have to run and he makes it easy. He says, my burden, he says, take my yoke for my burden is light. He says, if you'll run with my strength and we'll do this together, you can do big things that are impossible that seem far beyond your strength. And he says, I'll make it easy for you. We'll walk right through the trouble. We'll walk right through the struggle. We'll walk right through the wind and the waves. But you got to keep your eyes on him. you got to keep your eyes on him. So right whenever Mary is told this news, we see that she leaves Nazareth right away. She goes and stays with her Aunt Elizabeth. And in a loud voice, when, when Mary shows up to Elizabeth, in a loud voice, Elizabeth proclaims, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. So this is one person on the planet that says, this is something special. I'm going to agree with you. Blessed is he who, is, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises in her. She didn't say, blessed are you, this special child, that because you've been chosen by God. No, the, the blessed part, just like every other one that we've read about, is that she believed. Jacob believed. And by faith, by just believing and saying yes. God was able to do something. God's not asking you, you to do the impossible. God's asking you to let him do the impossible. Maybe that's why we're so scared whenever, God, whenever we, we see something impossible coming. It's like, I can't do that. When we stood at the, the, really the precipice of starting this church, it was like, God, all I see is Angela and I and I love to do God's work and preach and, and have Bible studies and pastor people, but we don't have any money to start a church. <laughs> I have to leave the job that I'm in, so I won't, I won't have any more money. <laughs> we don't have a church building. We don't have a church sound system. We don't have equipment. We, we have nothing. We have us and... You know, we could double our church just real quick by getting the kids involved. That's four. Woo! <laughs> we did it. That happened. So the, the church doubled in one day. <laughs> but really, that's a, that's a far cry from being able to say, okay, God, how, how, how does a church come from us sitting in our living room? And one by one, lives were changed over and over and over. So many of you came and joined the team, but that that. It's easy to look back and say, oh, it was so easy for God. Yeah. But I'm telling you, when we stood right there, it was, it was like an impossible task. God, we don't have any of the things that we need to start a church. In fact, we have a hurricane that just destroyed everyone's houses. No one has any money to give us to help. In fact, we would ask people, our friends and family and ministry connections, pastor friends, and hey, can you help us? You know what? All of our budget is out right now because we're helping people with the storm. That's what we heard over and over and over. So we finally just said, okay, we'll take the money that we already raised and we'll spend it on helping people with the storm. We'll stop raising money. We'll just help people. It seemed impossible at that moment, but God said, I want to do something. There are some things that seem impossible, 
but God wants to do something in your life. God has blessings waiting for us on the other side of our obedience. So even though I don't think God's going to fix all of your problems just like that, whenever you say, God, okay, they're your problems, but he does make it easier. And when we do take that step of faith and obedience and step out and do something that he asks us to do, he says, okay, let's do this together. I want you to watch really closely. This is, this is spectacular. What, Mary, what does Mary do? We go from her saying, how is this possible with God saying, okay, I'm, I'm your servant, God. I don't understand it, but I'll do it. Now, we don't know what happens to Jesus from the time he's 12 years old till he's 30 years old. Because then at 30, we see that Jesus starts his ministry. and It starts right there at this wedding where Mary asks him to, hey, you got to do something. about We run out of wine. But watch this. I can't imagine what, what Jesus would do uh, as a 15-year-old, as a 16, 17, but I know my son sitting right here on the front row. These guys are working right down here. Y'all are doing an awesome job. But my son, he has a, a, a car now. And so when we run out of something at the house, you know what our first thing? <laughs> hey, Jake, you need to run up to the store. We need, some, uh, we need some bread. We need some milk. We need to, like, we send Jake for it. And he goes. And I can imagine Mary saying to Jesus, Jesus, we run out of bread. Can you run down to the corner? We need some bread. And I imagine Jesus at some point is like, uh, Mom, if you'll just look in the cabinet, I bet you'll find some. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But we know enough to then we know this much that at some point Mary realizes what Jesus is capable of because she comes to him and asks him. And when it comes to the wedding, when Mary says, to the people at the wedding, watch what she says. It's very telling. His mother, Mary, said to the servants, when Jesus says, hey, if we're going to do this, you need to do this, this, and this. Mary says, whatever he says to do, do it. Because <laughs> she knows that he's going to do it. She knows what he's capable of. It's not a question anymore. She's not saying, well, it doesn't make sense, but I guess we... No, she's, she's not in that mind frame anymore. Now she's saying, whatever he says, just do it. That's where I want to be. That's where we've got to be. If God's going to do the impossible, we have to get away from saying, well, you know, my hands are tied, but God, if you could, like getting away from that. I love what in, in the, the, the song this morning with, when we were singing God with us and Jason singing, he's talking about the confidence that his presence gives us because we know that with God, all things are possible. That kind of confidence is what Mary said, Mary had when she said, hey, whatever he says, do it. How much would our lives be different if, hey, here comes a problem, just do whatever God says. I, got, I, don't, I don't know the answer, but I know God does. Like if we could have that kind of confidence, that, that's not ego speaking. That's trusting God. Let's trust God this morning. So here's three things in closing. How do, we, how do we protect those God moments? Like, I think God is always trying to have those moments with us. I think right now, this second, God wants to have a moment with you that will change your life. That will be that epic, I'm going to change your life and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. I want to do something that will change your family tree that will impact you forever. Yes. I believe God wants to have those moments with us, but how do we, how do we stay ready? for those moments and how do we stay in that moment number one we stay connected to god you can write that down stay connected <laughs> to god what does that mean 
I think in one word, it simply means worship. I think staying in the presence of God. I read a book by, uh, by a pastor when I was probably 15 years old that talked about practicing the presence of God. Like, just be like, it's not business as usual. I can, I can be in the presence of God just like that. And it's not because I'm something special, but whenever I turn my attention to God, he's right there. I don't have to work to get him closer to me. He's right there. All I have to do is work to get me there. Yeah. If I can get past all the negative voices, like how many of you ever tried to open up your Bible and say, okay, God, I'm going to study your Bible. I'm going to study your word and I'm going to get to listen. The moment you turn off everything in your house and try to get quiet and try to start reading the Bible, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envy. Like, I'm telling you, your brain starts working overtime, reminding you of things you need to do. Like, all the stuff, oh, okay, God, I'm, I got like five things on my list, and then I'll come back to it. Like, if you could just get in the presence of God, and sometimes it's easier than saying, okay, I'm going to pray for two hours. <laughs> Practically speaking, I think all you have to do is just put yourself in a room and turn on a worship song, and in five minutes, you can be in the presence of God. Sometimes it feels like you have to work so hard to have that breakthrough in your own spirit. But when, when, your, own, when, your, when your thought gives way to God, and it can happen in one worship song, if all you've got is five minutes, I challenge every single one of you, get in the presence of God. One moment in the presence of God can do more than going to church for six months and not miss a service. God can do so many things in your heart and in your life. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And if you've ever read the nativity story, if you've ever seen maybe the movie of the nativity, then you know the shepherds came and then the wise men came and then there were animals there and then all kinds of stuff was happening. But what Mary did was different than those things. Like the shepherds were coming and going. There was this buzz and this excitement and all these things happening. And gold and frankincense and myrrh. But watch what happens with Mary. When, they're, when the baby is finally born. He was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary... Like, but Mary, she, she, was, she was doing something different than them, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, reminding herself of what had happened and what God was doing. And I, 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 I see something happening here different than just, oh, wow, there's angels in the telling, uh, foretelling of the birth of a child and there's wise men from the east. Like, it's easy to get caught up in those things. But God wants to speak to your heart. John chapter 15, verse 5, really quick. Jesus talks about staying connected. When you're joined with me and I with you, the vine, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. But when you stay, when you stay plugged in. Number two, stay connected to your purpose. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
Like he's, he's telling this story that there is something bigger than just a baby here. There's something, there's some purpose here that, that God has that's so big, you can't even begin to imagine what it is right now. I think you have to know, right here, sitting here in the theater, sitting in your space, there are things God wants to do in your life that are so big, that are so life-changing, but you can't get disconnected from that purpose. Don't trade your purpose for something insignificant because it feels good right now. Don't decide that, well, you know, this is a pretty good life. I'll take it. For, don't, don't trade that and give away this in heavenly purpose that God has made you for. It'll never be worth it. That's why every week right now there are people sitting down the hall in growth track taking... Uh, Every month, taking spiritual gifting tests and, and personality tests and discussing passions and figuring out how, what is it that God put in me and how is my purpose fulfilled? Because I believe you're made to fulfill a purpose. Yes. In Second Timothy, he says it this way. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Like there's something in you that you're made to do. What is that thing? When I look around the room, I can imagine so many incredible things. Some of them, like you might think that, hey, you take growth track and it'll tell you what your purpose is in relate. No, I, I don't think that's true. I think that God made us all for things. Some of them will happen in this church. Some of these, some of those things I would love to say, hey, let me help you figure it out. But it happens in the world. Maybe, like, I don't think that God's called every one of us to go be missionaries to Africa, but there might be one and I want to help with it. There might be something in you that you have never allowed yourself to think of. Allowed yourself to, okay, God. Like, give God a chance to do something impossible. Number three, stay connected to the people who encourage you. Like Mary showing up to Elizabeth. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Like, there are times when you must be with people who are supporting and building you up instead of tearing you down. We all have a thousand voices that tear us down and give us nothing but negative, nothing but challenge what we, what we want to believe, what we want to hope about what God's, nah, that's not true. There is always going to be someone who will shoot down your idea and your hope and your faith and your belief that God can do something, but you've got to find that, that person who can, who can walk by faith with you. Yes. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't ask Peter to go walk on the water alone. He was there with him. We've got someone who we can walk with. It makes it a lot easier because when we do take our eyes off, he's right there to help us out. We need partners. We need, we need people who can stand around us and give us those words of encouragement. So when we're feeling down, here comes those words of faith. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And this is where we close. Jesus, mother, his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. And the, the, 
they're standing there and Jesus is dying on a cross in these last moments before he gives up his life. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her and he said to his mother, I think that some of the mothers in the room, you're the only ones that can probably conceive of what this really was like and being able to look at her son, Jesus, who the Bible says was unrecognizable. He was beaten so badly that he, was, he wasn't recognizable to see her, her son on a cross, like dealing with how, how, is, how does this fit into what God told me back in that day? Like we've seen so many good things, but being able to hold on to something and staying connected to something beyond just that, hey, God has a plan and God has a purpose. But in that moment, he says to his mother, mother, here is your son pointing at the other disciple. Then to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. In other words, there are some things that God is going to lead us into that require for us to maintain and to stay connected to the bigger picture that's beyond just me in this moment, beyond the fact that my son and my daughter and my wife and my family and my nephew, and at some point I have to realize that God's plan for me is so much bigger than any of the details of my life. And if I can say, okay, God, I trust you with not only the details, I trust you with my future, I trust you with my purpose, I trust you with the bigger picture of my life and how I fit into yours then something amazing happens. And so we stay connected to the bigger picture. You can write that final point down and I'd like us to pray together. Would you just bow your heads right where you're at? I think for some of you, it's time to surrender to God and say, okay, God, it doesn't make sense, but I want to learn to trust you. I want to learn to walk by faith. I want to learn to see the bigger picture. I want to learn to see something more than what I can see right now. That's really what walking by faith is about. Seeing the unseeable and letting God do the impossible. Father God, we just come to you right now. We submit ourselves. We know you have an agenda in this world. We know that your kingdom is advancing and that you are doing Miracles, signs and wonders in the lives of people all over this world. Let us not be ignorant or ignore what's going on. We want to be a part of it, God, even if it's a small part of something so big. We love you. We depend on you today. And we submit every issue that we're struggling against, every, every impossible odd that stands in front of us. We just submit it to you, God, and say, okay. It's yours, God. We put it into your hands. All the details of this life, we trust you with them. All of our relationships, every financial decision, God, the details of our home, of our marriage, of our children, we trust you. In Jesus' name. And now if you're in the room with, just keep your head bowed and keep your eyes closed, but if you're in the, in the room and you're hearing this message and saying, oh, you know what? I have been trying to do my own life. I've been fighting my own battle, but I'm ready to surrender to God and give my life to him. If, if that's you and you're saying, I want to be included in that prayer on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Nobody looking around. 
Nobody, with every head bowed, every eye closed, on the count of three, just stick your hand up and be bold and say, I, I want to be included in that prayer. One, two, three. Right now, would you just put your hand up? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. What a, what a big step of faith. And I know that God is ready to answer that, that prayer. Let's pray together with, with everyone in the room and those who are online. You can pray this prayer out, out loud with us. Would you just say this prayer with me? Father God, I give you my life. I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for me. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Fill me. Use me. Forgive me. Make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give a great big hand to everybody who said that prayer around this room and all.